Welcome to the latest episode of the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Today I chat with Rebecca Seidel, who leads our New York City chapter and also works in the podcast space at Spoke. Rebecca, along with other members of the PBC chapter in New York City, curated this month's podcast playlist around memory. You can find the episode lineup at podcastbrunchclub.com slash memory. Before we get into the playlist, I have an announcement. This will be the last episode of the PBC podcast, at least for a while. While the podcast has been a labor of love, both myself and my fantastic audio editor, Emily Knight, have had a lot of other things going on and we need to take a break. I'm not sure if and when we'll start back up, but if you have any thoughts about it, please let me know. Email me at adela at podcastbrunchclub.com. Now, this all being said, PBC itself lives on, and I encourage you all to join. PBC is like book club, but for podcasts. We're a global community of avid podcast listeners, and every month, one member chooses a theme and three to five podcast episodes that hit that theme. I send the playlist out, and then people listen on their own time, and at some point during the month, small groups meet in person all over the world to discuss the listening list. We have over 30 chapters on four continents. To get a better sense of who we are and how you can participate, take a look around podcastbrunchclub.com. The best way to join is to start or join a local chapter, which I can help you with. But if you want to just follow along on your own time, that's cool too. Subscribe to the newsletter or join our Facebook group. As I mentioned, today Becca and I will be discussing the podcast playlist around memory. You can find the listening list at podcastbrunchclub.com slash memory. The first episode in our playlist is the Radiolab podcast episode entitled Memory and Forgetting. In their classic curious style, Jad Abimrod and Robert Krolwich explore how memories are formed, and just as importantly, how they're forgotten. You'll hear the story of rats who were trained to remember fear, an artist who painted a memory back into existence, and a man who could only remember two things, music and love. Next was the All in the Mind episode, Music of Memory. For people with Alzheimer's and dementia, music can trigger powerful memories. This episode profiles a nonprofit that's helping people reconnect with the world through personalized playlists. Finally, we talk about the Court of Memory episode from Memory Motel. In the criminal justice system, the stakes of memory can be dangerously high. A faulty memory can put the wrong person in jail and leave the real criminal free. Host Terrence Mickey explores what happens when faulty memories land in a courtroom. One more thing, when we put the call out for recommendations for this playlist, we got an amazing response. So if you want to see the full list, head over to podcastbrunchclub.com memory and scroll down to the bottom of the page for the full list. Now, here's my conversation with Becca. I hope you enjoy it. So thanks so much, Becca, for joining me today on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. It's good to be here. Thanks. Sure. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself and tell us the reason that you chose memory as a theme for the podcast playlist you curated for us. Sure. So I'm Becca. I am born and raised in New York City, and I'm really happy to be leading the New York City chapter of Podcast Brunch Club. I've been doing it for about a year, and it's been a blast. 
During the day, I work for a new podcast platform called Spoke. Um, it's a new project from SiriusXM, and I'm a curator there. And we work with all kinds of podcasts to get more visibility for them and share playlists on different themes related to everything from sports to news to storytelling, which is what I cover. And it's the best job ever. Sounds like it. Yeah. So I get to listen to a lot of podcasts. And this um, podcast, Brunch Club, adds to that in a really great way. So I chose memory. So I got a group of people from our chapter together to get brunch. So it was a very meta brunch, a podcast brunch brunch. And we sat down, we talked about all the different themes we could possibly do. And I had suggested memory in an email. And for some reason, it kept just coming back up. I think because my favorite podcasts to listen to are narrative, storytelling-driven shows. And so often, it's people talking about their pasts and how it's shaped them and how it shapes their present now. And I guess that got me thinking about how people are remembering their past and what role memory itself plays in that. And the more I was looking around, I found such fascinating stuff about memory and how it works and things I really didn't know at all. So that was really interesting to listen to. And I thought it would make a great theme. Well, I agree. It is a great theme. And it's hard to coordinate a group. So I'm glad it was a group effort with a lot of the other New York City chapter members. You guys are rocking it, by the way. I love (laughs) getting your pictures every month. You guys do, I think most times you guys are doing potlucks at somebody's home, right? Yeah. So um, we're usually at my friend Zainab's apartment. And when we first started, her mom was in town and she would cook these amazing meals. And it was just the highlight of my month like yeah. by far. Um, I and saw we the pictures always... of the spread and I was like, oh my gosh, I might have to go to New York City for a weekend <laughs> when they're having one of their meetings. Yeah, well, you're invited anytime. It's always, the food is amazing and it's great company. And yeah, lately we did our first brunch last month. We were always doing dinner. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a great group of people and great to get people's input on this theme. Yeah. And you guys are every month I see more people and it's just fun to get the pictures. So thanks for doing that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, let's dive in then. You put together some conversation starters for us and that's sort of the format that I've been taking with the podcast lately. So let's dive in. The first question is the Radio Lab episode mentions how medical professionals can work with people to selectively remove memories or fabricate them. Is it problematic to mess with people's memories? Yeah. So this is, I feel like, a really complicated question and really something I hadn't thought about much before listening to this episode. I don't know. I I think on the surface, yes, it's, it's problematic. People remember what they remember and to implant, not that you're actually implanting memories into someone's head, but to mess with people's memory in some way on the surface doesn't seem like such a great thing. I think the intention is really important, and I think that the person's state of mind is really important, too. Mm -hmm. I think if it's a case where somebody's mental health and well-being is at stake, I can see a situation where, in a therapy setting, if you can help somebody, if not get rid of a memory, then at least make it a less prominent part of their day-to-day life. I think that's a good thing to do, and I think that's something where... If we have the wherewithal to do it, might as well make somebody's life a little bit better. 
But yeah, in general, I don't think that we want to be messing with this too much. I can see a lot of cases where it could be something that's abused. Yeah. I guess it for me, it sort of depends on who wants to do it. Like if it's the person who is just has something traumatic that happened to them that they want to forget. I mean, it's it's sort of their right, right? I mean, if the technology yeah. is available, then you know, I don't I don't know that I would have too much of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. If if it was not instigated by the person themselves, then yes, I would have a problem with it. Even those experiments that they discussed in the episode where they were creating memories out of thin air for people felt extremely unethical. Mm-hmm. But it definitely does. I mean, they brought this up in the in the podcast episode about the movie. Oh, gosh, I'm going to mess up eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yes that one it always reminds me of that movie and there are plenty of memories that i have that you know i wish i didn't remember or didn't remember in such detail but that almost brings up the next point of you know what i'm remembering might not even be what happened Right. So and and then on the flip side, you know, we don't really have a problem with people, you know, going undergoing, say, hypnosis or something to retrieve a lost memory, you know, or Mm -hmm. retrieve some sort of information about something that happened to them that's buried. And then, you know, they sort of dig it up. It's like a revelation. Yeah. And sometimes I think, well, maybe that thing was buried for a reason. You know, maybe, I mean, not to say that something traumatic, you know, working through it is not, is, is not a good idea. It, it could be, but if it's buried, I don't know. I mean, it it feels weird to say this, but again, if I, I feel like if the person themselves is the one who wants to do the erasing, then who, who am I to say what they should have in their brain and what they shouldn't? Yeah, it, I really comes down to agency and you should have control over your own brain and yeah but what you were saying about things being buried and whether they're meant to stay there that made me think of the segment on i think it was the radio yeah it was the radio lab episode with the guy the painter who um was painting these horses and ended up painting this girl oh, yeah. he didn't know why he was painting the horses or the girl and then this crazy memory came back to him and that (laughs) that kind of blew my mind right yeah I mean and that ended up being somewhat of a traumatic memory yeah yeah the mind is an amazing thing though because he was just doing it without realizing what he was doing until he finally it finally like he literally painted a picture (laughs) yeah of somebody it's like a, a natural process of bringing it back even if you don't realize it right Okay, let's let's move on to the next question. In the Memory Motel episode, one expert said that memory has an error rate of about 30%. This becomes extremely problematic when we as society rely on memory to convict a suspect. Is there anything that we can do to rectify the issue? And then I'm going to add up my own little sort of sub-question <laughs> that I want to know if you have any sort of personal story about your own Uh, memory's accuracy. But let's talk about the society question first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was 
the central question of that episode is, yeah, how can we make that 30% number go down and make the criminal justice system a more accurate and trustworthy place? I mean, I think a lot of it is in the hands of the people doing the questioning because, you know, as they were saying, when you're presented with 10 pictures and, you know, you can easily be swayed or led on by the tiniest of things, you know, any positive reinforcement, you think a picture is the right person and somebody says, oh, yeah, probably, then you're definitely going to, that's going to, if not confirm it for you, make you a lot more likely to think you're right. So I don't know if it's more aggressive training to make sure people don't ask leading questions in a questioning room or in a court. Um, I think that's the place to start because, you know, you can't expect the mind works the way it works and you can't expect a witness to always have or a victim of something to always have for their brain to be <laughs> something they can rely on. Right. And they were even talking about that in the in the radio lab episode where as you remember something more and more, it changes and it's not accurate. And the more you remember it, the less accurate it becomes. And the less you remember it, the more a- more true to the actual thing it is. And that's so crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it relates, right? Because if something horrible happens to you or you witness something horrible happening to somebody else, I feel like you can't not replay that in your mind. And every time you replay that in your mind, you're changing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming less accurate. So, you know, I wonder about this 30% rate. Is that, is that, bef- bef- is that like on first kind of remembering or is that after remembering it a thousand times? And that's why the accuracy goes down and down and down. Yeah. Like you got to think that plays a fact that plays a role. If every time you remember something, you know, a detail gets lost or you kind of reshape it a little bit. Yeah. I wrote down sort of a, a semi-accurate quote from that episode. And it's in, she said, certainty and accuracy are at best only moderately correlated. Certainty doesn't tell us much about whether or not an identification is accurate, but both courts and juries treat it as if it's the most important factor in determining whether a witness should be believed. I mean, that's that's pretty intense to think that our whole, that that a lot of our criminal justice system is based on the memory of people who, you know, they're at this number, 30%, and then as they remember it more, might it might even be lower than that. Yeah. I, um, I, w- I wanted to share this personal story that somewhat relates. Yeah. It was this crazy thing that happened to me, I would say, I don't know, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was driving home, and I was in my car, I was at a stoplight, and this this car right next to me that was in sort of the left turn lane decided to make a U-turn, but couldn't make the U-turn. So I ended up making a three-point turn. And on the reverse, he like, he just hit me. I mean, he was coming right for me. I kept seeing his headlights and I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, it wasn't oh going God. fast, but I, I couldn't even get my wits together enough to, I think, lay on my horn because I was just like stunned. Right. And then he hits me and it, it it sounded horrible. wasn't that bad. So I get out of my car. I sort of pull over. I get out of my car. There are tons of people on the road on the street. Like I was in the middle of Chicago. People were like, "Oh my god, I saw that." I look over to where the guy would have pulled over, and he left. Mm-hmm. 
he, he just took fled. Off. Yeah, oh my God. He just took off. And so this guy comes sort of running down the street and he's like, I am so sorry I didn't get his license plate number, but it was a Pizza Hut delivery guy or a Domino's. I don't remember uh-huh. what it was. I think it was Domino's. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. You know, I was sort of stunned. I didn't know what to do. People were asking me if I needed to go to the hospital. I was totally fine. I was just sort of flabbergasted that stunned, somebody would yeah. hit me and then just, you know, busy intersection and then just take off. So I go mm-hmm. to the police station and I tell them what happened. And I was like, well, I didn't see it, but it was a Domino's delivery car driver and it was like a tan sedan. That's the other detail that the guy gave me. And again, mm-hmm. I didn't see any of this. I just, all I saw was his, was his headlight or his taillights coming in reverse toward me. And they said, okay, well, there's two Domino's pizzas in this area. So it's either one of those. And I'm Mm -hmm. looking at them going, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. And they go, so, you know, we can't really do anything, but if you want to go and just wait for the guy to come back, you know, and then (laughs) we'll come. And I'm like, I was like, what? No, I, it was, you know, February and dark and it was like probably eight o'clock at night and it was already, you know, it was dark and it was cold I was like, just looking at them going, are you serious? And yeah. um, and then he goes, all right, well, you know, here, here's my number. Don't, or because at first he said, okay, so if you see the guy, call 911 and then tell them to like ask for me. And I was just staring at him going, what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, okay, here's my number. And every time, like, I just kept staring at him and he kept going, you know, giving me more and more. I don't know. He kept giving more and more of himself to the point where mm-hmm. finally he goes, all right, I'll go with you. Let's just do this. Come on. Uh-huh. And and he sends his partner to one of the dominoes and he and I go to this other dominoes and he sets this whole thing up for me. He's like, okay, you're going to go in your car, wait in the parking lot. I'm going to go oh hide in the parking lot across the street in the bank parking lot. And when you call me over, when you see the guy, I'll, I'll come over. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just it's like a stakeout. <laughs> yeah, it was totally a stakeout at the Domino's. And <laughs> I'm sitting in my I'm like, I just like I couldn't believe it. I'm driving to this Domino's and I'm I'm like talking to myself at this point. I'm like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Am I really doing this? Is this really happening? And then I pull into the parking lot. And I'm sitting there for probably 10 or 15 minutes and I'm like, this is insane. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So I get out of my car and I go over across the street to, to the um the policeman's car. Or no, you know what? This is what happened. I go, you know what? This is insane. I'm not going to sit in my car. So I decided to go into the restaurant and I go, I, I asked for the manager. I was like, do you have a delivery car, uh, a delivery guy out there in a tan sedan? And uh-huh. he's like, yeah, why? And they had already prepped me that if I asked anybody that they would not give me any information. I was like, I feel really bad, but... He delivered pizza to my house, and I don't think I tipped him enough. So I just wanted to come and give him a tip. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he was like, oh, yeah, he's coming back soon. I was like, okay, I'll just go wait in my car. That's when oh I went over God. to the cop. And I was like, listen, this I just didn't want to wait. I, I, I really just I had no idea if this guy was coming. I don't want to spend my whole night here. So he's just kind of like wide-eyed looking at me because uh-huh. he was s- surprised I did that. I'm actually surprised I did that too. But <laughs> So then – 
he he sees some guy coming in, pulling into the parking lot. He's like, oh, there's the, is that him? And I look at a, at the car and I'm just like, kind of, I'm unsure. I really mm-hmm. didn't, don't, I didn't see anything. I didn't, I don't remember a lot. All I saw were his taillights. And I'm like, I don't think so. I, I don't know, but I don't think so. Maybe. And then I kind of just was like, I, I don't want to do that. And then yeah, about... I don't know, two minutes after that, another car came in and he's like, is that it? And I look at the taillights and I'm like, I think that's it. I think that's him. And he's like, all right, let's do this. And he <laughs> like peels out of this bank parking lot and into the Domino's parking lot. And I'm walking over, so I'm not in the car with him. And he mm-hmm. gets out of the car and he's like, excuse me, sir, did you hit a uh, a car earlier today and and leave the scene? And the guy is just stunned. He's like, what? I don't. Huh? He just could, almost couldn't talk. And I'm sort of standing there and he doesn't understand who I am. He just thinks I'm some sort of like nosy neighbor who has just yeah. was walking down the street and decided to, you know, find out what was going on. <laughs> so and I'm thinking in my head, oh, my God, this is horrible. This guy did not do it. I have nothing to go on. I do not know. I didn't even see the dominoes thing. I didn't see the the tan thing i didn't see the sedan thing all i saw were his taillights i had no i was like oh my god i'm going to be one of those people i kept that's literally what what kept going through my mind i'm going to be one of those people who sends somebody to jail or something for the wrong reason Mm, yeah and then literally after i'm right after i think that he goes i didn't think i did any damage oh my god (laughs) and i was like i lost it I lost it. And I am not the type of person who loses it. I was like stomping my feet. I was like, what the hell? I was like, why did you leave? I'm like, why would you leave? Everybody saw you. Everybody was there. There There's so many people there. Why would you leave? (laughs) I was just like, seriously, like so angry. Yeah, I don't blame you. It wouldn't have been a big deal. He didn't really do a lot of damage to my car, but he left and I was so pissed. And then he gave me some sort of sob story, and I, I was like, I'm not going to press charges. And then I, tr- he's like, you can file with my insurance company, and I did, and they rejected it, and I never got in my car. Oh my god, about. yeah, <laughs> classic, yeah. And wow, then, though, yeah, I know. But it was like I kept thinking that I was like, I've, only, I don't know if I will recognize his taillights because that's the mm-hmm. only thing I remember. Yeah, and that's not a lot to go on. No, it was like the shape of them and the color. It was just really weird. And I felt like every minute that ticked by, it was getting less and less clear in my mind. And every set of ta- like taillights that I looked at, it was getting less and less clear in my mind. Yeah. And I really oh, did have that fear like, oh, my God, I... You don't want to be that person. Yeah, I'm accusing somebody of doing something and he didn't. And he actually did because he did yeah. it. <laughs> Well, way to frame the the culprit. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I know. It was so funny, though. It was just like classic Chicago police. Like, uh, we're not going to do anything. And then they're going to, like, change their minds and do a complete stakeout. Yeah. Send you to a Domino's parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, especially for people who have undergone really heinous crimes mm-hmm. and how much... I kind of wonder how much psychology plays into it also. Like the woman who had gotten attacked and accused the man 
who mm-hmm. was the guest on the show. Yeah. And, you know, she was led. She was, um, you know, they sort of led her to, to this guy. But I wonder how much of it is like, I really want to feel like the person who did this is behind bars. And, yeah, you know, not not consciously. Like, I don't think anybody's like, well, I don't care who suffers for this crime. But I think maybe there's a little bit of a very deep subconscious thing where it's just like, I don't know if I can go on living knowing that the guy who did this is out there still. And so in some ways to make, I, I just want to put somebody in. I mean, again, none of this I think is conscious, but I just wonder how much kind of peace of mind it also gives them. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine it must, it would be really scary to, you know, know that you haven't found the right person and that they're still out there somewhere and there must be some level of reassurance if, I mean, also the woman in that case, you know, believed she was right. So in her mind, the person who attacked her was in jail and that must have been deeply reassuring, you know? Right. I don't know. It just, it's, uh, it's crazy to think that you could be so clear with something in your mind and Mm -hmm. that, that thing, you know, that there's proof now that it didn't happen. You know, yeah. they talked about even the first kiss thing with on the Radio Lab episode where you might relive that moment over and over in your head. And that's obviously that's a nice thing to relive, not a horrible thing. Yeah. And then 60 years down the line, it's the memory and the thing that happened is nothing even close. Yeah, it's kind of scary and weird to think about. Yeah. I think it's a little sad. Yeah. It's like, what is real then? You know? Right. (laughs) Is the thing that happened real or is the memory real? Yeah. But I feel like it also doesn't really discount what happened in the past or your memory of it. You know, like, I guess in the Radiolab episode, they were saying you're literally, whenever you're remembering something, it's from, you're recreating it from the last time you remembered it. So it's just this constant evolutionary process right Um, like a constant editing yeah which is kind of sad in a way but also kind of (laughs) cool like you're kind of constructing your past for yourself again but how does it like how does your mind even decide to make the changes it makes you know like let's say you know i had my first kiss on a porch but -hmm. then like later on down the line when it's in, you know, the way I remember it is like near a lake or something. Like, how does my mind decide to make those changes? Yeah. And I wonder how often they're that extreme, you know, literally thinking you were in a different place or the person was different or all these things. Right. Yeah. And how does your mind determine what, which details to change? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, it's sort of so I have a whole other thing that I want to do sometime down the line when I actually have some time. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a family story project that I'd like to do with my family. And I think, you know, I just went to Israel and I had a, you know, I brought my my boyfriend and we hung out with my family that's all there. And I took a recorder and I recorded some people kind of telling me their stories. Mm-hmm. And you know, I said from the very beginning when I was sort of conceptualizing the the thing that I wanted to create, 
I don't even care really if what people tell me is true. That's not the point mm-hmm. of this. Like it's just, I don't know, family folklore. Yeah. And I guess part of it's just in the telling of it too and having those voices and some recollection, whether it's completely true or not, just, yeah, folklore. Yeah. It's hard because this is something I learned sort of the hard way is that, you know, one person's version and another person's version are different and that can cause, you know, real issues right now, like current issues, even though you're disagreeing about something that happened 50 years ago. Mm hmm. The, the telling of the story, I, I can give you an example. Like my yeah. my uh, dad's cousin had a big family reunion party while we were there and like 70 people showed up and his cousin refused to come because mm-hmm. he had started a project that's sort of similar where he hired a writer to kind of write down the stories of the family. And he himself was making his dad out to be like the saint or like the patriarch of the family Mm -hmm. and this really good person and this, you know, I don't know, saint. And she had a completely different experience with him. You know, Mm -hmm. she thinks that he was a horrible uncle and her father when she was young died. And, you know, this uncle should have really taken care of, the mom and the four daughters, but he just sort of shoved them in an apartment and didn't really pay much attention to them after that. And so these two different kind of viewpoints from something that happened 50 or 60 years ago is is having impact now because... Yeah, it's echoing all the way back. Yeah. I mean, it's like any skeleton in the closet, you know, any family skeleton in the closet. It's like going all the way back and, you know, relying on memory and those those inaccuracies of memory cause some of these really epic fights. Yeah. I feel like that happens, especially with families, you know, where you have this shared history, like literally, and, you know, everybody's going to have a slightly different memory or telling of it. And that can cause some like big (laughs) fights, even in like somebody's, you know, somebody's planning their will and has to decide who to give the money to. And well, this uncle had some skeleton from the past and, I don't know. I feel like things like that come up a lot and it has a lot to do with people's different memories of things. Yeah. I mean, even just as we're talking, it's like amazing. I I never really gave much thought to how huge memory uh, is when you're talking about just everyday things. Mm -hmm. And when they're telling me that it's only (laughs) there's a 30% error rate in it, it just makes me question a lot of things, you know, like what, maybe that traumatic experience, you know, I didn't, I have never had anything super traumatic, but you know, that thing that I wish never happened, maybe mm-hmm. it didn't happen, <laughs> you know, like maybe right. I didn't trip going up the stairs in front of, you know, yeah, a whole party full of people, or maybe I made it out in my head to be a way bigger deal than it actually was. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's like a little bit of self-sabotage too. Yeah. But yeah, it could also be reassuring if you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't as bad as I thought. Or Yeah. I think this this is also making me think of how important documentation is. If you keep a diary and you write your in your diary every day, then when you remember the things you wrote about later, does that improve the accuracy because you have it written down as kind of a document? Yeah. Or I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. Because I will tell you, I just recently, I just moved and I recently found a journal I had written when Mm -hmm. I was traveling and I read it and I honestly don't remember any of what I wrote. Really? Anything. I mean, I have a notoriously terrible memory, so Uh I am not, you know, one of those like people with really good memories. My brother can remember everybody's name and different little stories about people. I have the worst memory. Uh (laughs) But I mean, even though I documented it and it was sort of jogged in my memory, I did not remember. When you but when you read it, did you then no remember things or was it just like I have no recollection of this? Nope. Yeah. Wow. And and that happens to me all the time. People will be like, Do you remember when this happened? I'm like, not even a little bit. (laughs) It makes me really sad, actually. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it's like, oh, that that happened. That sounds fun or funny. And I really wish I remember that, you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy how people's amount of memories they have varies so much. Like with my parents, for instance, my dad will remember the middle names and addresses of all the kids he grew up with and like little tiny things about them that like, why is that taking up space in his brain still? And my mom has none of that. And she'll just be like, how do you how do you remember any of this? Isn't that interesting, though? Like, so you said it really interestingly. You said it, it's taking up a lot of space in his brain. But it's like, we have an endless capacity. So I don't, so you would think that somebody who had all that information in there, like, wouldn't remember where he put his phone or something, or would have problems remembering something else. He also has that problem. Oh, he does. (laughs) That's a separate thing, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But have you heard of, God, I want to call it's it can't be super agers but um the people there's only like nine people in the world who have this it's a condition where they remember everything about everything yeah have you heard of this yeah there was a when i was researching for the the playlist um there's a this american life episode and i think one of the people is featured yeah the woman from taxi mary lou henner i think mhm it's called hyper Thysmia. Thysmesia. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I can't say that word. <laughs> but she had it. She did. I think she did something for Chicago Ideas Week. She came and did a, a thing about it. And it's really, I mean, it's crazy. You know, they could say, tell me about August 21st, 1973. And they could say, I was wearing a blue top. I took the train. The weather was this. This happened in history. Like, crazy. And I mean, I think it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because, and I wonder, actually, I really wonder how accurate their memories are. Yeah, because I guess there's no way of, (laughs) unless you're fact-checking everything. Or do you mean like day-to-day, like, things besides remembering what happened to them? Yeah, I mean, there's ways to fact check some of the stuff that they remember, right? Like their yeah. the weather or what happened or right. I mean, maybe there's a way to fact check sometimes the clothes they wore if there's a picture of them or something, but I just wonder if they have a higher accuracy rate than normal people. It seems like they have to. Yeah, I would imagine so. If you're it's like you're recording everything that's happening all the time and playing it back. Yeah. Like what kind of toll does that take? Yeah, I don't know that I would want to live that way. That's like, um, it was really eloquent the way that he spoke on 
as memory motel. Yeah. The guy, he said, it's like pressing rewind and play at the same time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it was, it was really beautiful. And he said, you can't live in the past. You have to go forward. If you press rewind and play at the same time, it stretches the tape and then you're not going anywhere and like ruins everything anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that would be hard for that, you know, for those, those people with a super memory. Mm -hmm. You're always just. Yeah. That's a must be their sort of MO, you know, their, their baseline is just sort of remembering everything. And I wish, I am sure at some point they wish they could just not remember. I would imagine it must be a huge burden. Yeah. Especially, you know, if other people rely on you for it at any point. Right. And then I wonder how far back it goes. You know, like, do they remember? I I don't think I have memories from before I was five or something. Right. Yeah. I might have to do some research. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Another little fascinating memory tidbit. um, When we were talking over brunch about episodes for this, there's people who can just like memorize like huge amounts of numbers and then just recite them off. That's more a short-term memory thing, I think. Or if not short-term, less like personal memories and more just like brain function. But it's also like <laughs> interesting thing people can do. Yeah, I actually, my boyfriend, now fiance's son, he does this contest and it's for Pi Day, you know, three fourteen. Yeah. Where they they get on stage and they remember as they, they recite Pi as many numbers mm-hmm. as they can. And I swear... Brandon kind of, I forget, I'm going to have to ask him. He remembered something like 200 something digits. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That makes my brain hurt. (laughs) Yeah. And I think he could probably still do it right now. Yeah. It's the type of thing where I feel like once you have it down, it doesn't really go away. Yeah. And then there's there's also like all those memory tricks of ways mm-hmm. to remember things. They have memory contests. Do you know that? Yeah. They do, they have all these tricks of like you're supposed to, oh, it's called Memory Palace, actually, one of the tricks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I've heard of this, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you sort of, you have to go to a place that you know really well. You know all the sort of nooks and crannies and hallways and rooms. Mm-hmm. And you put things throughout that place. Like you take a path through that space. And mm-hmm. then you say, okay, like, maybe the first thing that you have to remember is, you know, it's a random list of people. Let's just say, like, the first person is, like, George from Seinfeld. So you walk in the door, and George from Seinfeld is, you know, dancing like a monkey. He, they always have to do something crazy, you know, something mm-hmm. really unique. They can't just be standing there. And then, like, the next one might be, you know, a slice of turkey or something. And yeah. The slice of turkey, you know, is doing something funny. Mm-hmm. So, and that supposedly helps people build their memory i should probably try it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it can't be it can't hurt yeah but i'm not so interested in remem- memorizing lists and like decks of cards i'm more interested in retrieving my own personal memories like yeah from the abyss okay let's move on to the next question so the all in the mind episode talks about how music stirs up powerful memories and people have you ever experienced this Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty common thing to, you know, hear a song and something comes flooding back to you or you remember a relationship you had or a friendship. That definitely, I 
I've started keeping playlists on Spotify every year, just like songs that meant something to me, just day by day. If I'm like, I have a really like meaningful day with someone and there's a song playing, I'll add to the playlist. And I think it kind of makes me experience this more where years later I'll hear a song and I'll remember like, oh yeah, that time in 2014 where such and such happened. Yeah. Um, That's really sweet. I like that idea. Yeah. It's been a nice way to kind of document things. Yeah. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. I mean, I can't think of specific things, you know, specific song that reminds me of a person or a thing that happened. You know, oh, I can say like the song Life is a Highway, which is probably before your time. Mm-hmm. Remind me of, you know, a group of friends in high school that it was really popular around that time and just doing stupid things in high school or um, and I definitely have like a song that'll remind me of, you know, a previous relationship or whatever. But I thought it was really interesting how it could almost, I don't want to say reverse Alzheimer's, but just having the right playlist for those people could trigger something in their mind and their memory that's buried that just sort of needed a little dusting off and that the music yeah. helps do that. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah, that was really touching to me and just amazing. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing, really. <laughs> but I, yeah, I love the way they talked about it. I think one of the people who goes around with these headphones and brings music to people was saying that it brings them just a little bit of happiness each day. And, you know, at a certain point, that's the most important thing you can do. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're talking about people who can remember everything. And now we're talking about people who can remember nothing. Yeah. And neither really sounds attractive, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So anything you can do to help people... Because it sounds like a horrible existence, you know, to Mm -hmm. wake up and not know who the person sitting next to you is or be married to somebody that you don't even recognize. Like, that would be scary. That must be really scary. Yeah. But the fact that you can, you know, hear something that it's, you know, it's a memory you share and suddenly it's coming back to you in some way. Yeah. And then that reminds me of the Radiolab episode where... With the guy at the end, I think it was the last segment, Mm -hmm. where he really didn't remember second to second. Yeah. And that was just incredibly hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. But it was so sweet that he remembered his wife. That was the one person that he remembered. Was this the one that I think they said that Memento may have been based on? I think so. Yeah. But yeah, I also loved in that one, the recordings of, you know, the, the messages he kept leaving. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Just like over and over again. It's like, but he was crazy so to distressed. It yeah. was so like, he didn't remember seeing her. And so mm-hmm. he thought she had abandoned him or left him or something like it was very distressed. Yeah. And I don't know. That's seems like a really, I mean, any kind of memory loss, like severe memory loss, seems like a pretty... It's scary. Yeah. Hopefully it does not run in my family. But it seems like they're doing a lot of research around this. Yeah. So I'm hoping for some major breakthroughs in science. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, as of now, it's good to hear that there are little ways of at least making their lives easier. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I actually just read something for work. I work at um, Northwestern University, and I work at the medical school. 
mm-hmm. and they have a center for Alzheimer's and they have a project right now where they're actually sort of people who are, aren't completely, you know, in, in the disease state, maybe pre-disease state. Yeah. They're giving them an opportunity to sit down with their loved ones and record their stories. Hmm. And, you know, just like you were saying, like storytelling is powerful and it's important and it seems to be really important for these people who are not going to have these memories soon. Yeah. To be really intentional about sharing your stories. Yeah. And remembering with the people that, you know, that are around you. It's not just like, it's not just them sitting, at least the little segment that I saw. It's not just the one Mm -hmm. person sitting in a booth. It's her with her husband and telling stories and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So you have that kind of evidence, I guess. Yeah. Or just anchor, maybe. Yeah, that's a better word. Yeah, I think StoryCorps has a similar kind of initiative for mem- people with memory loss or, you know, oh. impending memory loss to yeah sit down and share their stories. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. I love yeah. StoryCorps. Such a great yeah. idea. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. <laughs> it's okay. But I do want to ask you the final question, and that is, what is your favorite podcast to listen to right now? And Mm -hmm. what is a good episode to start with? Okay, so (laughs) I have an answer to this. I think it's the one I've been just like making everybody listen to a lot lately. And people are, I think, sick of me telling them to listen to it. Um, I definitely gave it a shout out at the last podcast brunch club meetup in New York. But I'm kind of obsessed with Heavyweight, the show from Gimlet. Yes, Yeah, I love that show so much. And I keep trying to piece together what it is about it that I just, every time a new episode pops up in my feed, I'm just like, yes, my day just got so much better. I am the same way. Love that. Yeah, it's just like, I haven't heard anything quite like it. And for people who don't know, Heavyweight is a show where the host, Jonathan Goldstein, who's this kind of, he's a veteran radio producer. Um, He used to make a show called Wiretap that had kind of a cult following and he did a bunch of stuff for This American Life. And so now he's at Gimlet Media and he makes this show where he gets people who have something from their past that they want to resolve or that just feels incomplete to them. And he goes with them and revisits that thing from their past with them and helps them work through it, whether it's a broken friendship or just something crazy that happened to them. And he's just this amazing storyteller. Like he does this great narration Mm -hmm. and the way he talks with people is just kind of hilarious but also really moving and so yeah I can't recommend heavyweight enough yeah I am with you what is your favorite episode can you remember oh man they're honestly like there are a lot of shows that are hit or miss but for me (laughs) every single episode is a good one (laughs) yeah well of course there are some that are like really really stand out I think the most recent episode like really hit me it's called Jesse. And it's just, man. So I have to tell you something really funny. That it's yeah. so funny that you're bringing this up, this uh-huh. podcast up because I literally was listening to Jesse yesterday, uh-huh. and I was like, I love this man. I don't know how he does this. How he just? I was like, it was a pretty intense episode, I and mean, it was about a guy who got hit by a car 
And it was a Mm -hmm. pretty traumatic accident. And the guy who hit him and the guy who had gotten hit wanted to meet the guy who hit him. And the guy who hit him had a horrible experience after it, too, obviously, because he thought he killed somebody. He just had this terrible guilt and whatever. And so Jonathan Goldstein sort of helps them meet and whatever. But the way he does it is hilarious. I mean, he, you know, like those little snippets about Alex Bloomberg and yeah. Vimeo and, and not Venmo and I'll Venmo you the money. Well, what's, you know, where, how are you going to Vimeo me the money? You know, and just like <laughs> as Alex know. is standing at his treadmill desk eating chia seeds. Oh, my God. <laughs> Picking chia seeds out of his teeth. I mean, he is hilarious. And I just I'm with you on that. He is he just has this style mm-hmm. that is and it's his writing style. I, I mean, I I. He says it. I mean, it's audio, but it's the way that he writes that I think yeah. is so. And then it, that that the ad- audio is edited to just sort of. It's perfect. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know. To me, he's just a master storyteller. He's just so good at weaving everything together and using metaphors and kind of yeah. really crafting a story in a way I wish I heard more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) He's just hilarious. It's also, it's like, I feel like I could easily find the story, the Jesse story. It's not a funny story, but for some reason, it all just worked. Like all the jokes, they didn't bother me. Like they just worked so well. I almost felt bad because I was like, I sound like such a horrible person because I just said how I'm laughing about this you know, accident that, ha- I mean, it wasn't about the accident. It was about of the reconciliation, yeah. but I felt really bad. I was like, okay. And, oh, and by the way, two minutes later, I was crying too. So I'm not a horrible person. You're not, <laughs> you're not a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. In the same, within the same five minutes, you will be laughing and sort of tearing up. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I love heavyweight so much. <laughs> yes, I know. I wish it came out more often. But I, I'm with you. Like when I see that I have heavyweight in my feed, I just get this little like, ooh, yay, good day yeah. today. Yeah. And that that's a rare thing. Yeah. Good. Well, I will put that in the show notes along with the link to that episode. And awesome. I definitely would second, third, and fourth that um, that pick. <laughs> <laughs> um. But thank you so much for joining me and for curating the list and for doing everything that you do for the New York chapter. It's amazing. And I definitely want to crash it sometime soon. Absolutely. And thank you so much. This is this is a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Becca. As always, we want to hear what you have to say. So you can email me at Adela at podcastbrunchclub.com. That's A-D-E-L-A at podcastbrunchclub.com. Think about joining a local chapter where you live, join our Facebook group, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our newsletter. Spoiler alert, next month our theme will be space, and you can find the playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash space. Thanks, and happy listening.